This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. that a typical pair of running shoes generates 30 pounds of carbon dioxide emissions? That's right, the environmental footprint of the sneaker industry is pretty large. And that's exactly what we discussed during today's conversation with actress environmentalist Nikki Reed. Nikki is widely known for her role in the Twilight series, but she also has a passion for the planet. In 2017, she launched a line of ethical and sustainable jewelry, skincare, and apparel, and now she's collaborating with the vegan shoe brand Loki to develop a line of sustainable sneakers. During the episode, we discuss Nikki's sustainability journey, the environmental impact of the shoe industry, and how Loki uses alternative materials to make comfortable, durable shoes that will protect your feet and the environment. Let's get into it. All right. So uh, good together, listeners. We're very excited to have Nikki Reed with us today on the podcast. Um, you probably know Nikki from her roles in things like Twilight. Um, that's one of her most famous uh, movies, but she's had quite a career um, in Hollywood. But one of the reasons we were excited to have Nikki on was because she has uh, demonstrated an amazing uh, propensity for eco-friendly businesses and sustainable living. Uh, so welcome, Nikki. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm big fans of yours as well, and um, I'm excited to, to get chatting. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, the first question uh, kind of leads uh, me from Laura's intro. As we mentioned, you're an award-winning actress, but you're also very passionate about the environment. A few years ago, you launched By You With Love, a line of ethical and sustainable jewelry, skincare, and apparel line. And now you're collaborating with vegan and shoe brand Loki. Uh, I know it's very new. And Loki is developing a sustainable shoe line, right? So, Let's talk about your kind of path towards Loki, towards working uh, with ethical supply chains, starting uh, eco-ventures. How did you get started with all of this? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I can't recall like an aha moment, like, a, hey, I woke up one day and realized that this was, you know, I wanted to go down a different path from the one that I was on. Um, but I do remember... Sometime in my early 20s, I was living overseas. So it was my first time really experiencing a different culture, um, 
a different sort of set of priorities, a different perspective about the planet, um, about the food we put in our bodies, about skincare. I was introduced to just a completely different way of living. Um, and it wasn't that it was necessarily like this super conscious holistic approach to living. It just was a different way of living. And I think there's something really um, impactful about curiosity, you know, and, and developing new interests and meeting new people and exploring new language and culture. And anyway, so around that time, um, I decided to give up eating meat. Um, definitely not influenced by that particular culture, but it was just a moment where I was finding myself and um, starting to exercise a bit and think about what I was eating. And I'd always really, really loved animals. I had a, you know, a childhood filled with a lot of animal rescue and rehabilitation. And so I think my path towards a, just a more conscious way of living started with animal activism, to be honest with you, and realizing that, you know, we can't really think about animals without thinking about ourselves. And we can't really think about ourselves without thinking about the planet. And, um, you know, everything from chemicals leaching into our water to, you know, wastewater management to organic foods and pesticides and insecticides to rhino poaching to, uh, you know, we can span that, you know, I think one of the things that we're realizing even about documentaries like Seaspiracy right now is that um, there are things that we think we know so much about. And then you look right across the bridge and you're like, oh my goodness, this is happening in a totally parallel world. Absolutely. In a completely different area, but all the same themes, you know, and that's kind of like my journey to, that I'm still on, by the way, it's, a, it's a journey, not a destination. So it's not like I've arrived in some amazing conscious place. I'm like still learning things on a daily basis. Um, but that was my original, I think, sort of like foot in. Um, and then when I was pregnant with my daughter, sorry, is this too long-winded of an answer? Should no, it's fine. <laughs> you're, you're a natural at podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> when I was pregnant with my daughter, which is, um, four, four and a half years ago, kind of in that area. Um, I started Googling things that, you know, granted I had been a plant-based eater for a long time and plant-based led me into a whole, you know, vegan world of vegan products and vegan this and vegan that. And we can talk about that in a second because the next chapter of my journey was realizing that, um, vegan and sustainable don't necessarily go hand in hand. In fact, one can be quite destructive. And I want to talk about that um, in a second. But anyway, I was searching for things in the marketplace when I was pregnant that weren't as easy to find then as they are now, like Googling, how do I find chemical free underwear when I'm pregnant or like chemical free pajamas or what kind of deodorant am I wearing? Um, granted, it might have been cruelty free before, but now I was looking for things like synthetics and parabens and, you know, all the chemicals that are going into my body, because as women, unfortunately, we're only taught to think about our bodies when we're carrying another life. Yep. You know, we're not told that from an early age. It's when you become pregnant, you know, start thinking about your supplements and your vitamins and your perfumes and your shampoos and your, you know, all the things, right. Um, that's also something we can talk about later, but I do wish that we had a system in place to support 
women's health, women's reproductive health, women's endocrine systems long before they're carrying a child. Um, all of that has an impact. So anyway, when I was pregnant, I was dreaming up ways that I could create products that I couldn't find in the marketplace. And that led me to developing and then launching my first baby, which is my company, <laughs> Bayou, which we launched about three months before I gave birth to my daughter. And uh, we launched with multi-purpose apothecary and um, plant-based oils that could double as face oil and also perfumes and candles that could be melted down and used as body serums. And to me, a huge component of sustainability is versatility. Um, we can create new products all day long that are better for the planet than the previous products we were creating. And we can change infrastructures and age old systems all day long, which is great. That's a part of it too. But also less is really the way forward. Um, so when we create products that can serve more than one purpose, I'm just staring at my desk because I'm like, this is a great example of one. Like this is my chapstick, but it's also, I use it I can use it on my baby's butt if I want. I can use it as my under eye cream if I yep. want. So when I'm thinking about packing, I've got one product. This is actually my friend's company called Bayo, but I've got one product that I can bring for everything. Yep. And I think that's kind of the way we need to start thinking is less seasonal trends and fast fashion and more, more, more. And what's the latest, hottest thing, even in the sustainability space and more of how can we repurpose what we already have? If we're going to produce new things, let's make sure we're using recycled and repurposed materials. Um, and how can we travel with less, buy less, bring less into our household and have it last longer and become more? And so anyway, um, the last part of this journey, uh, sorry, last part of this chapter of launching my company is um, that I very quickly entered into the fine jewelry space shortly after we launched with Apothecary because um, I was approached by Dell, tech company Dell, to um, come up with a collaboration between us that could um, find a way to repurpose the recycled gold that was found in the motherboards of their technology. And I found that so very interesting because first of all, I um, come from a long history of female designers in my family. My great-grandmother was a wonderful celebrated jewelry designer and her daughter was um, my grandmother who just passed away was uh, a very well-respected ceramicist and kind of a pioneer in her own right in the female artist movement. She created beautiful murals, one of the first women to have public murals like on San Diego airport and LACMA. And anyway, so design is very much in my family and in my lineage. And when I was in my early twenties, I launched my first jewelry line and it was short-lived as it should have been because you know, it was, I was a baby and the line was a baby and <laughs> we're all a bunch of babies, but, um, you know, a decade later, it made so much sense for me to step back into that arena. And, um, so we used their repurposed gold to create fine jewelry, kind of merging two worlds that really had not been merged before mm -hmm. with this technology and fashion together. 
Yeah. It, so basically you're making beautiful jewelry pieces. I've been on your website. They're absolutely gorgeous, but which are actually made from e-waste, which is amazing. And I also on your website, I, I saw a figure which I've never heard of before that in phones alone, Americans throw away more than 60 million in gold and or silver every year. That's that, crazy. That was, <laughs> that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. We're all in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love this. And the other thing I want to kind of uh, kind of pull out of, of what Nikki just said is there's so many things that we could get into. But I mean, one thing is just about unlocking curiosity as we think through the various pieces in our lives. And, you know, when you start to think about one piece of your life, maybe you start with meat, right? Because mm -hmm. that's very common where people think about cutting back on meat. There's just this downstream impact on everything that you do. Um, so you really do start to think about, okay, do I need five products <laughs> to your point earlier, or can I start to simplify and make a big difference that way? So I think that's fascinating. And I, I love that you shared sort of the, the winding way, the winding path that you got into things. Um, we've all been there. Um, and that, that's amazing. Yeah, it's definitely a winding way. You know, I think it's important to also acknowledge the inevitable setbacks, um, the obstacles when creating or launching a sustainable business or, you know, the challenges of being a female entrepreneur, um, the challenges of caring about both animals and the planet at the same time when for a long time we didn't have a space where those two things could be um, equally important. Um, you know, there are a lot of challenges that come in those areas and nobody's on a straight path. And I think it's just really great to acknowledge that, you know, I see there's so many, <laughs> we live in this very strange social media world where people like to try to like shame you for your past. Right. Yeah. And so I've noticed a lot of people in this space attack other people for the things that they're doing wrong. Right. And I'm like, so the opposite. I'm like, use me as the example for that throw me in the ring to show the areas where you think that I used to be doing something wrong, because I think change is one of the things that we need to celebrate more. You know, I think the constant shaming people into feeling like they're not doing a good enough job is what keeps people from even trying. And yeah, I, you know, I was a kid who grew up eating fast food. Um, I threw trash out my window because I thought that that was okay. I smoke cigarettes and I don't recall ever putting a cigarette butt in an actual ashtray. I'm sure I stomped on every single one. Um, you know, my favorite go-to meal was like a pound of bacon and a cheese quesadilla. And like all those things are so a part of the journey. <laughs> and if anything, show that, um, first of all, we're all human and people can grow and learn from things. And also that none of those things need to be vilified. Like I wasn't a bad person who turned good. We're just people. And we're just figuring out how to do things better all the time. And for some people, that means just giving up meat on a Monday. And instead of shaming people for that, you're like, wow, with, you know, honing in on probably 20 billion people in the next like decade or two, <laughs> that's a lot of progress, even just mm -hmm. one day a week you know, simply reusing your grocery bags or remembering to turn your faucet off when you're brushing your teeth or gentle reminders of like running your dishwasher and, you know, your, your laundry machine on speed cycle, because we don't need so much water waste or, you know, the little tiny things that 
it doesn't have to be so overwhelming. Now that said, I don't think we should be complacent. I don't think that we should make excuses for our humanness when we're aware of what we can do better and different. I think it's the moral responsibility of people to, you know, when you know better, do better. Um, But I also think it's not fair to live in a space where we're constantly shaming people for not doing enough. Yep. Totally agree. It's part of our, part of our mission too. Um, We always like to say you can go to Target and get some fair trade coffee while you're there, right? Like you don't, because people love going to Target. We're not going to shame you for doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Nikki should be (laughs) our ambassador. You just speak (laughs) our language so much. We love it. Yeah, no, that was perfect. Um, That was our whole approach. You know, let's celebrate each other's wins than, you know, being perfectly perfect in terms of like, imperfect sustainability champions that's 100 brightly and that's how we me and laura believe that's the only way we can make true scalable massive behavior change for the better yeah, absolutely um so shifting gears a little bit i know um when you were speaking earlier you mentioned you know vegan materials and kind of wanting to talk about that because yeah. this really dovetails nicely with your new collaboration with loci um and i think for us, uh, you know, we oftentimes get questions from our audience about materials, right? Like, you know, and of course there's never a, a never black and white answer, right? Uh, some people are like, oh, okay, well, is it better for me to reuse uh, a leather handbag that I've had for 20 years or should I go out and buy, you know, a new vegan handbag? And, you know, the answer to that is, well, I mean, we do like people to get longevity out of their products rather than just pitching them for, for new things. But when you're, when it is time to go out and buy a new item, if you, if you do align with the vegan lifestyle and you're interested in supporting that, you know, let's go ahead and think more about that. So we'd love to know a little bit more about sort of how you got involved with this new shoe line, but also I know you were really excited to talk about like vegan material. So like, let's get into it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. That's an internal conversation that we have. Um, at Loki within the company often. And I think there's mutual respect for everybody's definition of what that means. So I think in this particular case, um, the word vegan is used to describe these shoes because A, they are vegan and B, it's a widely recognized word, which is wonderful. Um, You know, I think just to segue quickly, even introducing words like sustainability into households that have never heard it before, you know, there's the argument that there's a ton of greenwashing that's happening um, within the sustainable movement. And that is an accurate (laughs) uh, description of what's happening. But also if we want to stay, you know, positive, which I always try to remain on the side of positivity, the beauty is that we're still introducing a whole new way of thinking to somebody who's never even opened their mind up to that concept. And so then it's up to that person to remain curious and up to the people who influence those thinkers to Mm -hmm. continue on that path to finding ways to be more sustainable. So I think all of it is great, no matter what, in a sense. Um, So going back to Loki and the concept of using vegan um, in the description. So uh, 
the shoe, the bottom line is the shoe is sustainable. So it's made, the upper part of the shoe is made with 100% ocean plastics that are um, from the Mediterranean and traceable. The sourcing is traceable. So I ask a lot of wow. questions about that. The bottom of the shoe is made from natural rubber. And then we've got bamboo and then cork. And then the laces, um, are currently made out of a cotton, which I'm a big fan of using cotton and we can talk about that as well, but um, we may be moving them into a recycled plastic and then all the eyelets are made with recycled brass. Um, so it is vegan, but it's also sustainable. And I think the reason why I tend to shy away from labels when we're talking about vegan products is because this is just my opinion, right? And everybody has their own connection to what matters to them. And for some people using animal products is simply not an option. And I'm here for that too. I understand that as well. But I happen to work in a space where the environment is just as important as animals to me. And um, I see an area where there's an intersection between all of those things and an overlap. So for me, I would much rather advocate for going into my closet and pulling out, even if I have leather handbags that I bought back when I used to buy leather, you know, 10 plus years ago, I'd rather keep those for a lifetime than, you know, every week continue to talk about, you know, vegan products that are made with virgin plastics and PVCs. Um, those are not biodegradable. They're, they're going to end up in landfills, whether it's in your lifetime or somebody else's lifetime. So I'm all about reusing and repurposing. Now that said, if we're going to use, there are opportunities where vegan and sustainable can also live together. Oftentimes they do. These shoes are a wonderful example of that. We're repurposing materials that also happen to be completely animal free. So I don't think that it's one or the other is my point. But when you brought up reusing a, a leather handbag, you know, for example, I like to post about my um, my uh, old shoes that are in my closet that have been there for over a decade. Um, and one of the reasons why, interestingly enough, um, I like to show those shoes is because even though I'm plant based and I don't currently purchase any leather animal products, I love that those are an example of reused leather. And I do it subtly, right? I'm not creating a, like, I'm not hitting people over the head with all the rhetoric on, you know, conscious living and sustainability and this and that, but it's a story about a pair of shoes that I have walked through life in for over a decade that I've resold a gazillion times and they are leather, but I can tell you, they're going to be with me for my whole life. And would I go out and purchase those shoes today? No, I would much rather purchase a pair of Loki shoes today, like the ones we've designed together. I know the materials, I know the production process, I love that they're handmade, but I also think that there's a space where we can celebrate what we already have and also celebrate the artisans and the makers of some of these amazing products, regardless of the materials used. You know, there are small um, communities that rely on the creation of their products and their whole livelihood is dependent on those handcrafted products. And we can't forget about those people as well. You know, it's not a black and white conversation. There's so many colors in between. 
Absolutely. That all deserve to be seen and read and heard, you know? Yeah, no, 100% agree. Uh, we actually worked with a few of our favorite um, ethical brands who actually do work with artisans who make uh, products from real leather, but it's fair trade, it's empowering women around the world, uh, which again, it's like it depends which cause or part of the sustainability ethos is like closest to you. What's your, we call it, what's your sustainability superpower? And yeah, mm -hmm. for me, it is kind of was a little bit heartbreaking to get all of the negative comments about you know oh it has to be vegan leather but when I saw in person those artisan communities who rely on this for many centuries so um that again it's not a black and white conversation it's a much much more complicated issue than that um but ultimately you gave me chills when you said that it's so nice to hear that you're visiting those communities and seeing people you know a lot of our opinions in general come from lack of awareness and lack of seeing things in person yes. and what's the one thing that we build from seeing people like that in person is compassion empathy understanding mm -hmm. respect for a way of living that might not align mm -hmm. with someone else's way of living who you know is like a fashionista in new york city she might not understand what's happening in this you know town in peru where everybody's hand making and using, you know, leather from their local cows that are already being killed for their, you know, farm to table beef. Yes. And then we're, you know, disposing of this leather as opposed to repurposing this for the community or whatever that is. There's so many layers to things. And I think true activism comes from gentle activism and from understanding that there's no right or wrong way. There's just a way for us to do things together. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Together we can go way further than, you know, um, individually. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd also add to that point. I mean, a lot of what we're seeing, you know, in this country around the world right now is so divisive and it can be really difficult for people to your point earlier to even get started on the journey because there yeah. is so much negativity. And so I think just, again, focusing on the positive, not getting overwhelmed, right? Finding your, you know, like Lisa said, sustainability superpower and saying, you know what, I'm going to care the most about, um, you know, workers' rights and sustainable supply chain. So that's going to be how I go out and pick my next product versus, you know, the waste impact. And of course, I would love a perfect product, but it's hard. It can be really difficult to get there. Um, but it's really exciting to hear the inroads that Loki is making. And Lisa, I think you wanted to ask a little bit more about the, the imitation leather piece of things. Yes, I'm yeah. not very familiar with that. So I'm I'm very curious about this part. So Loki specifically makes a point that to say that you guys are not creating imitation leather. So why this is an important distinction? I know there is some problem with vegan leather materials. I would love for you to explain this since you're much closer to this than um, us? Yeah, so I think, you know, that's also a nuanced conversation. But I think if we just dive into, you know, imitation leather, oftentimes is using uh, virgin plastics, and synthetic dyes and chemicals. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole world out there of vegan leathers that are actually really harmful to the planet. And with this particular shoe, it was really important to me for us to create a material that was not meant to be confused with leather, but actually meant to stand out on its own. So when you wear the shoe, you don't feel like you're wearing leather. It doesn't feel like you're wearing, you know, your favorite sports, sporty sneaker that's uh, a leather material. It has a different kind of 
heartier, cooler, um, textured feel um, that's literally woven from these recycled ocean plastics. But you also don't feel like you're wearing plastic and you don't feel like you're necessarily wearing something that's vegan or sustainable. Like a lot of people's interpretation of sustainable or vegan products is like, oh, we're just going to weave like hemp laces through the like bamboo shell and then we're gonna <laughs> yep. you know, and you know especially in this space of creating conscious products I know from Bayou that it's more important than anything to create a product that people actually love that's wearable that's versatile that's durable um that's chic that's cool that makes you feel good about yourself and then the added bonus is that you can learn about how this was made and then start to care about incorporating that into the rest of your lifestyle. But I think when you simply lead with like, hey, buy this, it's good for the planet, mm -hmm. you're sadly, but truth, truthfully, yeah. only tapping into one demographic of people, which is going to purchase no matter what for the environment above all things. Yep. The rest of humanity wants to buy things that make them feel good, mm -hmm. that make them feel beautiful, that make them feel confident, that, that are, and, you know, having something to talk about, a talking point, you know, you want a product that stands out. So you want to wear something that looks so good that somebody goes, wow, those are really cool sneakers. Where'd you get mm -hmm. those? And then you get to share about it. Um, so I think that when you guys touch these shoes and feel these shoes yourself, you'll see that there's just all of that stuff is built in. They're chic, they're cool, they're versatile. I don't know if either of you are moms, but when I became a mom, I was like, whoa, high heels out the window. <laughs> I have to run and chase a toddler. There is no way. First, I was like working and like breastfeeding and like walking around trying to, so obviously I couldn't, I just couldn't be in heels all day. And then the next phase of that is I have a crawling baby and you don't want to step on fingers and toes. So you're not wearing spiky heels anymore. And then the third phase of that is I have a toddler who is running around like a maniac and I have to wear flats. So I'm like a sneaker. I'm a sneaker girl. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We all have different reasons. I think for for wanting, uh, you know, non-fancy shoes now too, right? I feel like COVID totally. has, <laughs> has definitely gotten totally. us used to. I can't remember what I was watching the other day and I saw this woman sit down and kind of fling her high heels off. And I was like, wow, I don't think any of us have done that in a while, right? <laughs> a long time, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but I love, I love this conversation around sort of, you know, the evolving of multi-purpose items of, you know, of items that are made better. And I think, you know, for us, we get so many questions all the time about fast fashion, right? And mm -hmm. how damaging it really is to the environment. And you sharing your story about eating a bunch of fast food. Like, of course, most of us did that growing up, but we also grew up going to the mall and, you know, finding sort of bargain basement <laughs> type clothing that we could buy quickly and respond to trends with. And, you know, you know, in general, I would say shoes, clothing, et cetera, are of course subject to trends. And as a result, people replace them super quickly, which we know is very harmful to the environment. So according to one statistic, the average American now generates 82 pounds of textile waste each year. Um, and so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the fast fashion mindset, maybe how you think about it personally, and how did you get out of it? Because I would imagine given your career, you were just given free products and had stuff thrown at you all the time, a lot of like pressure to be super on trend. So how did you like take a step back from that and say, you know what, like 
this is not what I'm interested in doing, right? This episode is brought to you by Real Paper, tree-free toilet paper made from 100% bamboo. Our community has been asking us about paper-free swaps for items around the house, so this alternative to traditional toilet paper is right up our alley. I don't know about you, Laura, but I always run out of toilet paper. Me too, and I love that Real Paper delivers direct to your home while also using plastic-free packaging. It makes stuff so much easier. Also, while you probably haven't considered the environmental impact of your bathroom habits, unfortunately, over 27,000 trees are flushed down the toilet every day across the world. That's a lot of waste. And by using paper that comes from bamboo, you're supporting a product made out of renewable, eco-friendly resource. It's also super soft, and I couldn't tell a difference between the 100% bamboo paper and what I'm used to. Good Together listeners get 25% off your first order by using code BRIGHTLY at realpaper.com. That's R-E-E-L paper.com. Hey, Lisa, did you know that every year 10 billion disposable razors are thrown into trash around the world? I never thought about the amount of waste I was generating every time I shaved my legs. Yes, I remember we've discovered this staggering fact last year, and ever since then, me and you have been on the hunt for a sustainable plastic-free razor. The tricky part for me, though, and I know a lot of our community members feel the same way, is that safety razors can be very intimidating to use. I was literally scared when I first shaved with a safety razor. Same, but we finally found the perfect option, haven't we? Leaf Shave has created the world's first multi-blade pivoting head safety razor that makes your shaving experience almost identical to the one with a plastic razor. Leaf Shave is certified carbon neutral and they package and ship 100% plastic free as well. My favorite part about their Leaf Razor is that it accepts up to three blades so that you can decide how close of a shave you want. Once you're done with the blades, you can send them back to Leaf to recycle responsibly as scrap metal. This makes shaving plastic-free easier, safer, and faster than I've ever experienced. But if, unlike us, you're a total pro and not intimidated by safety razors, Leaf also has a more budget-friendly option, their Twig Razor. Check it out. Good Together listeners get 5% off by using the code BRIGHTLY at leafshave.com slash brightly. That's L-E-A-F-S-H-A-V-E dot com slash brightly. Did you know that 70% of what comes in your shampoo bottle is actually just water? I know. It's hard to believe that over half of what is probably one of your most used hair care products is simply what comes out of your tap. Right? That's why Everest is so great. They're a company that produces hair care for eco-optimists who are looking to cut down on waste without having to use shampoo bars. Their products require less packaging and are smaller and lighter to ship, which, as we know, is key in reducing carbon emissions. That's awesome, and I also love that they're plastic-free. Their shampoos come in aluminum tubes, which, unlike your typical plastic bottles, are infinitely recyclable in most curbside recycling programs. Most importantly, though, their products actually work. I tried them. I know hair care is something a lot of people struggle to find a sustainable swap for. Everyone's hair is different, and sometimes it can be hard to find something that's low waste, that still leathers, and really leaves your hair feeling clean. Exactly. That's not an issue with Everest, though. 
The color safe and vegan paste that makes up their shampoo is activated by the water in your shower to make a rich, creamy lather that you're familiar with from your non-eco shampoo days. Are you ready to try out a more sustainable hair care routine? Head to helloeverest.com and use code BRIGHTLY for 10% off. That's H-E-L-L-O-E-V-E-R-I-S-T dot com and use code BRIGHTLY for 10% off. You know, for better or for worse, I've kind of always danced to the beat of my own drum. You know, I just, um, the early parts of my career reflected that, uh, you know, I've been in the public eye to, you know, in varying degrees for, you know, two decades now. Um, and I've definitely had moments where I've um, sort of succumbed to the pressure, of course. Yep. Um, and then I've also had really encouraging moments where I've gone out on a limb and done something that, you know, maybe felt risky or like it hadn't been done before. And there was a really, you know, I was met with a really encouraging, wonderful response. Um, so yeah, to touch on that a little bit, you're totally right. Uh, product is flung at celebrities left, right, and center, uh, especially in this digital world where everybody wants everybody to post all day long, all day long. What's, what are you doing? What's this? What's hip? What's trendy? Um, and to a certain degree, I'll be honest with you, I do partake. Um, I really do like to, you know, it's a balance for me. And there were moments where I thought I would not participate in this at all because I really want to live a totally, you know, minimalist lifestyle. And then there are moments where I realize that my ability to talk to people who, without this conversation, might not be familiar with this at all is, is also really impactful. So being able to share a couple of my favorite sustainable brands, as opposed to completely removing myself from any conversation that talks about consumerism or encourages consumerism, you know, it takes away your seat at the dinner table in a space that maybe your voice is needed. Um, and I don't really often talk about myself in the third person like this. So that's really funny, but that's my internal dialogue in myself is, um, if I, if I'm not a part of this at all, and I step away from social media altogether, I step away from fashion altogether yeah. and I go and I live in my little tiny house with my like four pieces of clothing. And I, you know, then yeah. there might be a very important part of this conversation that isn't there. You know, as I got older, I recognized that I, I value my voice in this space too, because I really do a lot of research and I really care about this. And I really care about the conversations that I have with the audience that I also, you know, they might follow my page, but I listen to them too. I love engaging in conversations about this with people and hearing what they're looking for in this space and what, you know, what posts really moved them to learn and research more so we can lean into that together. Um, so I, I do love sharing some of my favorite sustainable brands. And I also really love sharing about sustainable or not, you know, this is where it gets where we're talking about. It's not just black and white. It can be gray sustainable or not. I also really love sharing about female entrepreneurs. I really like sharing the stories of women who have worked their butts off to grow a business from the ground up in industries that are often male dominated. Um, I think as women, we need to work together. I think we need to um, 
lean on each other and highlight each other's work. Um, another example of, cause I, again, you can see, I really lean into the, to the gray areas of things because I appreciate um, the, I think humanness, as I said before, that lives in that space. Um, another gray area, you know, recently I was sharing about the wonderful, wonderful work of a local farm that I discovered who the owner is now a friend of mine. And, um, they produce small batch dairy. Um, they're, they're also, you know, considered dairy farmers. And what a controversial issue for somebody who's been so outspoken about being plant-based for so long to support a dairy farm. Well, let's talk about that for a second. People still drink dairy. So while they're drinking dairy, should we not create a space and a situation for a local farm to create an opportunity for people to actually be in touch with what they're eating and what they're seeing for it to be done in small operations where these cows are walking on, you know, 25 acres of land, as opposed to in tiny little sheds hooked up to machines. Instead, they're hand milked by one man actually. And this dairy is produced in a beautiful like commune style self-serve farmer's market where the local community comes and picks up their food and sees the soil that it's growing from or the cows that it's coming from. You know, these are areas where I think we have to encourage people to do the best that they can in whatever area they're in. We don't close the door on something because it doesn't align with who we are. Instead, we build bridges. When we build bridges, everybody does better overall. You see what I mean? So, you know, the longer I'm in this activist space, it's funny because when I was like, I call myself, I call my hardcore activism, my baby activism, actually, when I was like running around crusading and like, you gotta be a vegan or you gotta be this or you gotta, you know, like anytime you say you have to be this in order for this, then I think that you, people close their ears. Yeah. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. falls on deaf ears. So instead I'm like, okay, let's crack this open and talk about this for a second. You want to talk about local farming and like the importance of, you know, conscious <laughs> meat or conscious dairy production. Let's do it. I know that it's hard for some people to hear, but let's talk about ways that we can do better, even in industries that don't align with our current, you know, set of values. Um, anyway, sorry, that was long-winded. <laughs> No, that was great. And again, we we just can't agree more. It's so important to not be closing doors, to not judge. You know, me and Laura on the podcast many times we've said we do eat meat. Uh, a lot of our biggest supporters, VIP ambassadors also eat meat, but we encourage, we're never going to tell you to not eat this or that or do not do this or do that. We, but let's have a conversation. We'll give you options. We'll do the research. We'll introduce you to the best brands and companies. We actually, when you were talking about supporting women entrepreneurs, we just uh, done a roundup since March was Women's History Month of like, I think 60 plus uh, women-led and founded, 100% women-led and founded uh, sustainable brands. So that was super important and exciting for us to also put together. Um yeah. And the other thing that's interesting, and you'll probably get a kick out of this, Nikki, is like, I think people don't realize how many brands are started for women and they're founded by men. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they're like, Hey, women are really interested in this trend. I'm going to basically make a company that on the surface looks very female focused. We'll even hire some women, you know, to like <laughs> be the face of the brand. But I mean, you, you laugh because I know you've seen it before. And so it was really important for us to like 
be like, okay, let's go get brands that we know and love, but let's like verify that they're actually founded by women. <laughs> yeah, that's really wonderful of you. Um, you know, we don't, until we create opportunities for women, we won't, we, we won't, we want to be what we see, right? So until there are yep. women CEOs and more, you know, female engineers and scientists and, you know, until we have women in those positions, we're not going to raise a generation of young women who want to be that, who want to dream about that. Um, so it's really important to see women in power and using and also showcasing not to have a conversation about, you know, men versus women in power. But I do think that um, by nature, you know, women have a very valuable perspective and approach to everything from leadership in government to leadership as CEOs. And we deserve as people to see what it's like to have women in those positions, what would happen from the top down within companies or countries, or, you know, we see it in households too. Um, and that's not to say that one is better than the other. I'm not saying women are better than men. I'm saying that we deserve to see both. Um, women have a perspective and a level of intelligence that is uh, very much equal and very valuable. Um, exactly. It's not one versus the other. It's definitely about equality at the seat at the table. Yeah, right? but it's an imbalance, but it's imbalanced right now. We know that there are still far less women in those positions than Absolutely. men. So, in, you Absolutely. know, until there's balance, I think we need to work really hard to support mm -hmm. and create those opportunities for women. Absolutely. So we have two last questions for you. We love asking our guests. And one of them we kind of touched upon a little bit, right? We are all about it brightly, about inspiring billions, millions of people taking small steps towards sustainability rather than having, you know, perfect sustainable activists, right? As we've been talking about. So can you share a couple of tips, actionable, sustainable tips, hacks, switches that uh, you do on a daily basis or something you kind of learn and um, have been doing ever since? Yeah. So, hmm. you know, it's so funny. I try to say things that don't sound so extreme because then <laughs> people are like, what? You cooked rain barrels up to your house. I'm not going to do that. Um, but let's <laughs> talk about all the, let's talk about all the little things. So on a small scale, we can talk about the importance of reusables, right? Um, reusable grocery bags, uh, reusable Tupperware. Um, one of the cool, interesting things about COVID, despite all the, sorry, let me rephrase that. Oh my goodness. The silver lining amidst a major tragedy of COVID Don't worry. <laughs> is, <laughs> sorry, there's, we're only talking about the negatives so much. And, and I think it's also important to just say like, okay, here's some wonderful things that have come out of this very, very tragic experience. Um, one of the things is that people are being introduced to the concept of bringing their own um, containers to restaurants because restaurants are no longer allowed to well, I don't know if this is all across the board, but in my experience, they're not allowed to package your food for you um, when you're leaving the restaurant now for health code reasons. So you can bring your own Tupperware now and bring your food home. And I think that these are the little things that might stick with people going forward. So reusable is really important. Um, as I said, Tupperware is thinking about the trash bags that you use. You can use um, biodegradable or compostable trash bags. So you don't have yeah. to buy plastic bags. The concept to me of putting 
biodegradable materials like foods into plastic to then yeah. get into a landfill is so interesting when it's like, it's basically, I hope all of you guys listening, think about it this way. It's basically like you're taking all these little gold nuggets and then <laughs> wrapping them in a material so that those gold nuggets will never get to help pollinate, you know, help with <laughs> reproduction in our world. Like composting yeah. foods and food scraps is so good for our soil and our, you know, the nutrients in them. Okay. So moving on. Um, so, you know, kitchen is a big deal. So I like to focus on the kitchen because there's just so much waste. So one thing you can do is look at your trash can and just think for a second, how much trash am I producing on a weekly basis? Just be conscious. It starts with consciousness. Let's just be aware and then set a goal for yourself. Is there any way I could cut this amount in half? So that way, when you're out, you're thinking, hmm, I'm going to try not to buy this that's wrapped in this because that's more plastic. Instead, I'm going to actually buy my food in bulk because that's way less plastic than I would be getting from all the single use plastics. And you start to think about that, setting goals. When you take showers, set a timer. Instead of running through your entire weekly office schedule in the shower, <laughs> wash your hair, get on out and then run through that schedule. So timers help. Um, I always make it a point to turn off my faucet if I'm brushing my teeth, washing the dishes. You know, when I wash dishes, I fill up the sink with some water. I put some suds in the water. I scrub, scrub, scrub away. And then I rinse each dish, but I don't just sit with the water running while I wash dishes for 45 minutes. Um, I put my dishwasher and my uh, laundry machine on speed wash. Um, I compost, which I understand a lot of people don't think they can do because they think they need to have a major composting situation. You don't, you can actually just chuck your vegetables in dirt, like anywhere, mm -hmm. even in your garden, you can compost like that. Um, paper towels are compostable. A lot of people don't know that. Um, you can be aware of the type of, uh, toilet paper that you use, uh, low flush toilets. Um, I'm not even going to go to the area of like composting toilets or anything like that right now. Um, but the biggest, biggest one is like, let's support, well, there's a lot of big ones, so I shouldn't say that, but let's support our local growers, our local farmers. When we go into the grocery store, we don't often think about the fact that our fruits and vegetables are flown in from other places. We think, oh, it's great because it mm -hmm. says organic and I can walk away now and that's wonderful. Let's try our best to think about how we eat. Um, a lot of the things that we do subconsciously, like eating is something we do subconsciously. So we don't do it with all of the intention that it deserves. Like, where's this food coming from? Could I have maybe right now I pick up my food from a local farm and I request that they don't pre-bag anything. Um, so it all comes in just one huge recyclable paper bag, which I clean out, fold up, goes back in my pantry. I reuse it. Um, and I know that that's tricky for people because not everybody has access to a local farm, but instead of me shying yes. away from that conversation and saying, oh, well, that sounds really elitist that I live in a you know, farming community and that I have access to local farms. No, I'd rather keep talking about it because the industrialization and commercialization of the farming industry is something that needs to be shifted and changed anyway. And the more we talk about this, I think the more people, the more children we're gonna raise that want to be farmers, it's my goal for my daughter, by the way. I want her to be a farmer, so we'll see how it goes. 
Um, I love it. But even in these, you know, towns that don't necessarily have access to anything except their one local market, it might inspire somebody to start their own backyard co-op, you know? So I don't want to shy away from the conversation. Um, Anyway, there's a gazillion things that are still on my to-do list and checklist. Like I would really love to have an aquaponics and hydroponic system. Um, I have vertical hydroponic towers that I grow vegetables on right now, but I want like a sort of more scalable um, farming system in my yard with a hydroponic aquaponic system. For anyone listening, that's awesome. (laughs) For anyone listening who doesn't know what that means, that means that you're actually raising fish and the fish poop feeds the vegetables and then the water siphons out and the vegetables oxygenate the fish and it's a big sort of cyclical thing. And because we're talking about our oceans so much right now as we should be, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, by the way, I don't think that you need to even eat fish to have an aquaponic system. I'm just saying that I think it's a wonderful way, you know, our ecosystems balance each other out. So um, it's important to consider that when you're creating any type of backyard farm. Oh, and one last thing I want to mention on here, <clears throat> you know, anything that comes into an imbalanced state is harmful for the planet. And so, you know, for all my fellow plant-based eaters out there, um, I just want to talk about avocado usage for a second. Um, you know, avocado toast has become all the rage. Trust me, I love it too. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the vegan community, especially avocados on everything right now, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And let's just take a moment to pause and think about what that means. You know, eating meat, you know, when we do that three times a day, we acknowledge that that's not good for our bodies. Even if one wants to make the argument that meat is important, which that's a topic I'm not going into right now, but um, I see all sides of it. But the bottom line is uh, doing anything three times a day is not good for our bodies. That we all acknowledge. And the avocado industry is now one of the most destructive um, industries in the world. So I know it's important to focus on things like fashion and the meat industry, but I don't think people realize, you know, it takes like 18 or 19 gallons of water to grow one avocado, one. And water is a very precious resource right now that we somehow have still not figured out, um, you know, a way to really replenish um, and uh, clean our water in a sort of scalable way for people. So um, we need to really pare back on take a step back on our avocado consumption. Um, it's, it's, you know, everything in moderation guys, like an avocado a week, great. Three times a day. How, what are we doing to our natural resources? Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, we recently did an article talking about the, uh, the damage that avocados are doing on the environment. And I think, um, you know, it's just moderation. Like you said, it's using them up. Like how many times have we gotten avocados and forgot that we even had them, um, only to try and use them and they're no longer edible. So, you know, whether it's freezing them, which you can actually do, that's one of our hacks we shared on TikTok, which didn't even know you could do that either until we shared it. And the, the, the uh, consistency is actually pretty good still. It's not hundred percent there, but that's yeah, 80%. So, hey, um, yeah, know you can do that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So you can. Um, so, you know, just uh, just be more mindful. Like you said, I, I love the, the the quote about doing something three times a day is, is not good because it's right. I don't know if I can think of a single a single thing, maybe drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> maybe go. There we go. <laughs> drinking that's, water, that's a good yeah. one. 
We're kissing <laughs> um, your babies. <laughs> there you're right. That's right. Yep. Um, so this has been so wonderful, Nikki. So I guess to just close it out, uh, we have one question we always love asking our guests, which is, what is the most exciting thing that you're observing in the eco-friendly slash sustainability space right now? Oh, man. One thing that I'm really excited about observing. Um, well, because I run an e-commerce business, I can, you know, like you guys, you have a direct relationship to people who are expressing their interests and um, engaging with you. And because I run an e-commerce business, I have that as well, where I can kind of constantly take people's temperatures on what is driving them to remain open or curious or make small shifts in their, in their life. Um, and, you know, one thing I recognize just from analytics is that the majority of our customers are not coming to my company because they're a fan of my previous acting career. They're coming to my company because they're organically searching for what we're creating. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, something that's really exciting me in this space is that um, there's so much interest, genuine interest in this right now. And people are, I think, starting to grasp the concept that this is not, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the show. Like we're in it and we have one opportunity right now and not to make it cool and not to build our businesses, but really one opportunity to really think about our lives and what we're doing. And if we want to still have a future, you know, Um, and they care and they're excited. And I love talking to people um, daily, actually, through social media that share with me the things that they're doing that were just sparked by an idea and how it kind of trickled out into the rest of their life. So um, I don't know if that's the, quite the answer you were looking no. for. It's really yeah, scary. no, that's great. And yeah, we are talking with our community too on a daily basis on social on our app, and it's just like the the cycle of inspiration keeps going. And yeah, definitely, it's we've been saying that sustainability is here to stay. This is the year of sustainability for it feels like so many years, right? But again. Thanks to the pandemic in many ways, you know, it really um, is at the forefront of our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, finally, so th- that has been incredible to see that uh, we are starting to pay attention what we eat, how we purchase things, who is making our products, who is growing our food. Uh, anyways, Nikki, thank you so much for this conversation. That's been really inspiring and really wonderful to uh, learn about all of your ventures, about kind of how you personally approach sustainability. And yeah, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. for joining us on another episode of good together as always you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast and don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our facebook group simply search good together ethical shopping and it'll come up you can also leave us a question through voicemail the link is on brightly.eco slash podcast 
If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.